You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen, and I am your host. You know me probably better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Got a really good episode for you today. I'm going to wrap up this last episode of the 2021 draft cycle by doing a little bit of a rapid fire and cover all the as many of the guys as I haven't covered throughout this year and on the podcast. So I've, I've done a total of, I think, something north of 30 prospects all in all. I'm going to try and get you, you know, at least 30 more in this one episode. Going to do this quick. It's not going to be as extensive as the other scouting reports, just kind of what to know, boom bust scenario, things like that. I haven't really honestly thought too much of it, but just trying to get you as much info in as quick of time as possible. But this episode is brought to you by our Locked On Live NBA Draft Show. We have the NBA Draft GOAT, Chad Ford. Locked on NBA host Rafael Barlow, locked on NBA host John Corrales, and they will all be live covering the NBA draft this year. It's Locked on NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow local, well, excuse me, follow Locked on NBA in YouTube today and watch our live coverage of the draft on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So let's dive right into it. And let's start with Moses Moody. He's someone who I haven't done an episode on yet. He is a 3-and-D type wing with some potential to get a little bit better in other areas. I think for him, the things that hold him back are he doesn't have a quick first step at all with the ball in his hands. And then furthering that, he just doesn't really have much of a handle. If he can develop that ball handling skill, he actually could have some really good star upside. He's 6'6 with a 7'1", 7-foot wingspan somewhere in that range. As a wing, that's really valuable when you can also shoot 40% from three. I think that's almost immediate that'll happen. He's going to be one of the rare rookies that'll actually end up a positive player. And I think because of that, he's a lock to go top 10. He had a poor NCAA tournament run. You know, I, I think he had a game going four of 20 or something. Like His efficiency was absolutely putrid, to say the least. And while, you know, recency bias does matter, his mold is so projectable that his floor is like, an eighth man at the absolute worst like he gets playoff minutes under almost every scenario that you can draw up even under his worst case scenarios and like I said his best case is that ball handling really comes along but the shooting is there the defense is there he has all the tools defensively like I said length all that he has to be a good defender offensively it just comes down to shooting and creating his own shot and to clarify I'm going off of my big board which is my pinned tweet right now on my twitter profile at Mavs draft you can see everything. I have my positional rankings. My big board is finalized. There's no really, at this point, it's overthinking just to edit it. Um, but I'm going in order of players who I haven't done yet. I've done now. The entire top 10 has been done. The next player is going to be Alperen Shengun from Turkey. I've just put up a scouting report of him over the weekend. Uh, I believe it was Friday. He is a post-minded big who does more than post work. He can score in under the basket in any way. He's really good in the pick and roll incredibly intelligent passer uh just turned 19 over the weekend so he's going to be 19 his whole rookie year barring uh the nba season changing again and going to august but he is going to be outstandingly efficient especially within the two point uh or within the three point line excuse me and while defense is going to be a massive shortcoming i think 
the risk doesn't scare me that much because he's going to be a great regular season player. If you're trying to build around him and win a title, he's not your guy. That's not the guy you want at all. If you are looking to go, I like, I guess the best way to do this is just say, would you take Nikola Vucevic's career path with, you know, I think he's a, I can't remember if he's a one-time or two-time all-star now, but um, he's made an all-star game, one of the most efficient post scores. He's expanded his game to the three-point line. I think Shingun will do the same thing, but he had a lot of defensive shortcomings. And obviously in the playoffs uh, last year against Milwaukee, he was an absolute stud because he had the ball in his hands so much, and Isaac and Gordon were both gone. But they he can play in the playoffs. In defense, he's going to get hunted, and that might play him off the floor. That's his worst-case scenario is that he gets played off the floor. I don't really think... He doesn't stick just being so productive, so young, and just being so efficient offensively at 18 years old in a pro league. He won MVP of the Turkish League at 18 years old. Like The last player I can think of that won a professional league at 18 years old is Dallas Mavericks' is Luka Doncic. Like, it's a pretty rare feat. He's a guy who he sticks because his offensive skill, it's just how much does he stick, is the real question with Shen Goon. And, and his name is Shen Goon. I heard it a lot of different ways, but if you listen to the Turkish broadcast, they say Alperen Shen Goon. He's from Turkey. Uh, next guy, Chris Duarte from Oregon. There's rumors that he got a lottery promise, but I, I know he got a first-round promise. That's why he didn't participate at the draft combine. The best way I've described this on the Ultimate Mock Draft show, I said this, you're getting a free agent value. Like, he's 24 years old. Most guys are up for their first restricted free agency by that year. You're getting a free agent value player. He's like I said with Moody, you get a you get a positive player, which is pretty rare for a rookie class. If you're trying to get, you know, just a role player and don't want to spend the money in free agency, Chris Duarte is your guy. He's a really good shooter. Um, like I said, 24 years old, only two years at Oregon. The rest of his time is at um, at junior college. And I apologize if, if you can hear in the background. I'm actually out of town recording in a hotel room, uh, and there's construction happening just right outside at the most inconvenient times, but. Uh, in case you can hear that, I apologize, but he is a three-point shooter, defensive disruptor is what I call him. He just gets in the way. He forces turnovers. He can play pretty good defense staying in front of his man. He's not ever going to lock a guy up, but he also won't get lost, and he can run the offense a little bit. He's a very simple player. He doesn't really stand out in any one area except shooting, but he's always going to stick, and I think that matters for something, uh, so I really like him. Next player is Franz Wagner. He's an ultimate glue guy is the best way I think I can describe him. He does almost everything on the basketball floor. He can handle the ball. He can kind of shoot. That's probably his biggest weakness. He can defend. For a forward, honestly, having that entire skill set right there, being a ball-handling defender, uh, really sums it up. He can finish at the rim very well. He can put the ball on the floor and break guys down one-on-one. You don't really hear about that for someone who I think he met. I think he's like 6'10". I don't know if he actually measured at the combine. Um, actually, he didn't even attend the combine. He turned it down. So we don't have true measurements. He's around 6'9", 6'10". Needs to improve the jump shot. That's really his worst case scenario is that jump shooting doesn't come along. It does limit a lot of his other strengths. But I think being that high IQ, versatile guy has a place in the league. And it's it's pretty simple. So... I'm all in on him. I think he, uh, well, not all in, but I, I'm pretty high on him. I think he should go top 15 just because his role is so projectable. Even if I don't actually have him top 15 on my board, I have him number 16. Um, I think he should pretty safely go top 15. Next player, so there's a little bit of a drop off here. Now I'm going to my 20th player. 
ranked player, and that is Sharif Cooper from Auburn. Sharif is one of the most fun prospects in this entire class. If you haven't watched him and want to do some last-minute scouting, go ahead and watch him. He's lightning fast, can get to the rim at ease. Not that strong, uh, but somehow still a decent defender. He's a, he's a stick, uh, which hurts, I think, on both ends. I think it'll hurt his defensive impact a lot. And then also, you know, his ability to finish at the rim, things like that could easily get impacted. But he also can't really shoot right now. He's scared to shoot. Even though the form isn't horrible, it's not good. Um, he does need a lot of refinement offensively. And if he can hit, you get a Ty Lawson caliber player who, if you remember at his peak, you know, he fell out pretty quickly from his peak. But at his peak, he was a borderline all-star. If you can get that, that is, in, that is a top 10 player in this class, most likely. So his ceiling is very high, but unfortunately, that if the jump shooting and the skinniness really hurt him, he's out of the league pretty quick, I think. So he's kind of boomer bust guy, depending on if you like those guys. Some people do. I think he goes to the Knicks at 19 or 21. I'll do a couple more, and then I'm going to take a break. But next one will be Zaire Williams. He was someone who I was very excited for heading into the season. He was one of the top recruits coming out of, uh, I think it was Sierra Canyon, playing with Brawny. Um, he is, he measured really well at the combine 6'10", unfortunately 6'10 wingspan, but kind of doesn't matter because you still have a 6'10 wingspan on the wings and you're, you're pretty okay. Um, he is a 6'10 shot creator with ability to pass out of the pick and roll and good vision. He can see over defenders very clearly because of that 6'10 frame. He could also be an impact defender in terms of closing out and just defending jump shot, jump shooting and jump shots. And he can also self-create and hit step backs pretty much from anywhere. Like his his ability to lose you on the offensive end, like he, he loses his defender very quickly. Um, now that that's the strengths. The po- the negatives with him is that he's inconsistent at just about everything. He's not disciplined defensively. He doesn't really you know his his shooting is entirely streaky. He had a triple double against Washington, and then you know following that, I don't think he really did much the next game. Um, so he, he just needs to get better game over game and he's raw teams have to be patient with him. His draft range is ridiculously wide though. He could go as high as like Charlotte is somewhere. I've seen him in the ultimate mock draft. Um, he could go as low as the end of the first round. My theory is my little tin foil hat is getting put on. He doesn't make it past the Lakers. Um, if LeBron is serious about playing with his kid, Bronny, um, you know, he'll have his former teammate there and Zaire Williams. So, uh, and actually I stand corrected. I was looking this up. So in his triple double game, he actually followed it up. He had a pretty good four game stretch, three games following that. And then he had an equally opposite four game stretch where he just did nothing. No 10, not even 10 points, pretty inefficient. So Zaire is just an absolute mystery. I don't know if I'm comfortable saying, Hey, I want my team to be the one who swings on him. Unless you're in just in such a luxury, like the Lakers, where regardless of if Zaire Williams hits, He's going to be on the playoffs if the uh, if he's on the Lakers. Like he's a playoff caliber player just by that alone. Uh, but his upside is very high. Probably top ten to seven in the class. I I really do think that he could have like the fifth best upside in some scenarios. Just being a six ten shot creator is ridiculously rare. And if he is that and he gets consistent, congratulations, you get the steal of the draft. But at the other hand, if you pick him at 11, you might have the biggest bust and you might have passed on someone very obvious in front of you. So the next one is Miles McBride, uh, another guy who I recently posted a scouting report on. He is a ferocious defender. I mean, any guard coming from West Virginia at this point should have that reputation. But on top of that, he has a 6'8 wingspan. He's 6'1 without shoes, I think. And he 
he is just a monster on the defensive end. And what's crazy about him is that's not his calling card even. I would actually say shooting, and especially mid-range shooting, which I think makes him so projectable, is his real calling card. He can shoot. He can self-create. He has some really nice between-the-legs step-backs that he loves going to. And he can score from just about anywhere. Like The three-level scoring is very real. He was efficient at the rim. He was efficient from three. And he was very efficient from mid-range. Probably the most efficient mid-range guard in this this draft class, I would say. Or at least top three most efficient guard in mid-range. So I really like him. The thing for him is just like he really can't run an offense. So he's kind of a weird player where he's not a shooting guard, but he's also not a point guard. You have to have him with another point guard, but very luckily for him, I don't think that's an issue because it's a positionless league where positions are kind of outdated now, like to an extent, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're a shooting guard point guard like it did in 2008. So he has that going for him. And then last one before the break, Sandro Mamu Kelashvili. Um, I honestly actually can't remember if I did an episode on him and I'm terribly sorry. I'm double checking now, but um I actually did in May, but I'm going to talk about him again because he still hasn't gained any traction like I predicted. He's a point center. He doesn't do anything wrong on the offensive end, except he needs to finish with his right hand a little bit better. He's comfortable with his right hand, which is really good. He can drive right-handed, no issues. It's just like finishing with his right hand in in both in skill and in comfortness. I think the comfortness will actually help the skill, but... He likes finishing left-handed if possible. If he could just change that, that would be pretty nice, but it sounds like a lot simpler the way I'm describing it of a fix than it actually is. But defensively is where everything else kind of falls apart for him. He's not a rim protector. He's 6'10", 6'11". Uh, and just real quick, because I actually kind of just glossed over it, but again, you can listen to the full episode. He can run pick and rolls. He can shoot from very deep range, and he can break guys down one-on-one. He's a point forward. Like He is a pure point forward. He has great vision pretty good athlete too uh and he can dribble with both hands and he has a quick jumper but defensively it's just he doesn't protect the rim minimal impact defensively on the perimeter he doesn't really you know lock guys up by any means on the perimeter he's easily blown by um and yeah it's just the finishing and the defense are probably going to be his two issues but if you play him next to a fellow true center i don't think it's actually a big deal if um if he doesn't protect the rim, like if you put him, for example, in Atlanta, I, I love using Clint Capella as the primary example for guys like Sandro. He is pretty much the perfect guy to make up for anyone else's defensive shortcomings. And if Sandro can be put next to Clint Capella in Atlanta, I just really like that fit. It makes up for the spacing that Capella doesn't offer. And also Capella makes up for Sandro's lack of uh, defense and they can play together as a combo bench lineup. So really like that. But uh, real quick, going to talk to you about rock auto and a word from our sponsors, and then we'll go right back into it and just get even more rapid fire. My goal is to get through the top 80 of this and hopefully I'm not boring you with it. Uh, But yeah, we'll talk about rock auto and come right back. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car needs. So why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and transactions and wait while the person behind the counter has to order the parts on their computer and choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. 
So save time and money when using Rock Auto. You can spend, wipe spend up to 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when rockauto.com, a family business that has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, as you've heard me say multiple times, is there with their reliably low prices for every single customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution your auto part uh, that your car needs for auto parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft again. My name is Richard Stamen, host of uh, Locked On NBA Draft for today and at Draft on Twitter. Continuing right where we left off, let's start back up. So I'm I'm at number 30 now on my board. I'm at Josh Primo from Alabama, and I haven't actually talked about any of the Alabama prospects, so I'm just going to do them all at once. So Josh Primo, there's three of them. Josh Primo, Herb Jones, the SEC Player of the Year, and John Petty. So Josh Primo is my highest range player. He's 18 years old, really young, obviously. High upside shot creator that his entire college sample size was just, he flashed. Like, that was... That's pretty much it. He had a couple games where he really stood out. But for me, the upside is just he could develop in the NBA or he could be like an all-SEC caliber player next year and develop, you know, basically spend another year kind of just not really advancing himself, but just breaking out in college. And I don't know if that's better than the NBA. So he stayed in the NBA draft. Very happy about that. I love seeing these high upside guys stay in the draft and develop in the NBA over college. Personally, I think it's just better for them. For most players, obviously everyone's different, but Josh Primo is a shot creating, he's 6'6 shot, shot creator. He's a shooting guard, not a point guard, not a small forward. He's a textbook shooting guard in the way that he is just not a wing and he's not a point guard. Um, doesn't really run the offense, but he does have good vision and can play make for others. Again, small sample size on almost everything I'm saying, but in just like the flashes you see, you see why I can project it um, and why others project it, not, not like trying to say I'm better than people or anything like that but just why I see what I see he can size guys up he can shoot off the dribble spot up threes that was mostly his role was to be an off-ball player he can also use his playmaking uh, or excuse me his handles to be a better playmaker defensively I'm not really sure if he's ever going to click just because he's so skinny it's not an area I consider him to be strong in but he's also not really weak there again the physicality is just something he needs to develop he needs to add weight um, but he has quick feet, so that's helpful. Uh, he does need to get better at turning the ball over and just prove that he's a playmaker. He's, he's a high upside guy. He kind of could bust, but I think he's one of those guys, and I got to talk to him that you know he, he doesn't fail because character and basketball IQ were there, so I think that'll keep him around for a little bit. Next one's Kentucky's uh, – or actually, sorry, I said I was going to do all the Alabama players. So John Petty is from – uh, he's a four-year player. Excuse me, he's from Alabama, obviously. His calling card is shooting and potentially defense. I think he's a better off-ball defender than he is in one-on-one defender. And depending on what you value, could be a good thing. Uh, he's going to be a good good team defender. Offensively, he kind of lacks the basketball IQ. Um, just for years has shown me the same thing where he doesn't have good shot selection. This year it improved a little bit. I think the additions of uh, Primo and Herb Jones breaking out helped him. But he's purely going to be an off-ball player. His dribbling is very weak. He has a high handle. It's very loose, easily beatable, and pick a, and you can pick apart that handle. 
Um, so I, I don't know what he does offensively outside of shooting and cutting. So like he's purely off ball and really defensively say the same thing. Like he'll be fine. He can hold his own one-on-one. He's just not good at it that much. And defensively, he's probably just going to be an off ball defender. So it's a pretty big simplification, but three and D is his calling card. Who knows if he sticks because basketball IQ in the handle. The last Alabama player is Herb Jones. He is a monster on defense. The best thing I've heard him called as is a vacuum cleaner. He, he pretty much like he can guard anybody. He can play big because he has over a seven foot wingspan. He can also go down and probably guard ones. I would say not everyone. I don't know if he can guard John wall level players, but also like who can. So I think he can guard one through five. He's probably the most versatile wing in this entire class. And, you know, his recovery ability, his playmaking on offense, and he's really improved his jump shot. He went from 7% as a shooter last year to 35%. Not not a great sample size. It's not like he started taking a ton more, but 7% to 35 is a noteworthy jump. He, he told me he has worked on his jump shooting. He set up a routine during the pandemic. He has worked on it relentlessly while also getting better in other areas too. I think that speaks volumes. And it's kind of hard to see a senior, you know, seniors are supposed to be some of the better players when they play. But SEC Player of the Year breakout, he's a guy worth gambling on that I think has a spot in the rotation. His worst case is pretty much he can't shoot and that the 35% was a fluke. Um, I don't think, for the record, he'll ever shoot 35% from three in the NBA unless it's super small sample size. But, you know, worth noting. So that's the Alabama rundown. The uh, next one, I'm going to keep it in the SEC. Isaiah Jackson, he's one of the harder evaluations for me. He is a raw center. He's only been playing basketball a few years. Really good defensive upside. He's incredibly athletic and can move everywhere he's really good on closeouts i'd be scared to shoot near him uh even if he's at like the edge of the paint he could probably impact your jumper by like by the time you catch it or something there's just not enough time to get it off comfortably that's the level of perimeter defender he can be and he can also probably defend the rim just based on his physical traits he's unbelievably athletic and he measured at um actually he didn't measure so but he's 610 or so he give or take and long arms, you can tell he has long arms, but Kentucky hides players, so who knows? He's raw. He needs to get better at just eliminating mistakes. That's such a vague term, but he can also shoot 15 feet. We've seen him take some mid-range jump shots. He's pretty decent at it. Think Precious Achua when you look at him. Obviously, we don't know how Precious is going to be as an NBA player, but similar prospects to an extent. I'm going to stick with the people named Isaiah. Going to go to my very next player on my big board, and by the way, Isaiah Jackson is 32nd on my board. My number 33 player is Isaiah Livers. He's from Michigan. Uh, This is actually probably going to be the quickest one. He's a good rebounder and he's a very good shooter. Um, Ridiculously quick trigger. He can shoot over defense. He's not scared of anybody or anything like that. The second he puts up his shot, he does the same shot, whether you're right in his face or he's wide open. And I think that says something. He's hard to block. However, defensively, he's a little bit stiff. Not three and D, but he's three in rebounding. Um, If you want him, you could play him at the four. Um, there, he's flexible. There, there's ways to work around him. So, like I said, quickest one. It's not a ton to break down there. Next one, Aaron Henry. He's someone who I have recently grown very fond of. While his jump shooting for a while was a concern, I don't think it's a major flag anymore. He does have a low release, and he's inconsistent to an extent. Um, and he needs to improve his ball handling and, uh, or excuse me, in terms of ball security. His ball handling is fine. So I'll get to the strengths. Um, he can do a lot. He can handle the ball. He can defend very, very well. He can run, pick, and roll. His instincts are incredible. Good athlete, can use it in traffic. And like I said, playmaking defensive 
upside and finishing, even though he's mild at the rim in college. I think he kind of shot himself in the foot and got hurt by college spacing a lot. I think he's someone who he is going to get better in the NBA with NBA spacing as a finisher. And if he can be a finisher, playmaker, and a defender, he has a rotation spot very easily. You worry about the playoffs, but I mean, not everyone can play. The The rotations will get trimmed down and the shot will probably end up getting better because just most players do. Um, I've done Ayo Dosunmu and her, uh, he's my number 38 player right after Aaron Henry at 37. Next one, Kessler Edwards. Not a ton to say on him because I honestly just can't figure him out. But he's a great defender. Absolutely magnificent. Good size. I think he's like 6'7". I'm double-checking this as I'm speaking now. Um, but he is uh, listed as 6'8". Excuse me. He was a junior at Pepperdine. Was pretty popular last year before the draft withdrawal date. I think he had declared but withdrew or was on the edge. And he returned. Had a really good year in the West Coast Conference playing Gonzaga. You know, they're the other powerhouse there with BYU too. So, while Pepperdine didn't make the tournament, there were two tournament teams from there. My worry for him is the jump shooting is ridiculously blockable. His shot is very much out there. It's not a conventional form at all. Um, I think it's blockable, and that worries me in the translating. And while he is versatile, he can handle the ball a little bit uh, and get to the rim. You know, in defense, will that keep him in the league? I don't know. I, I have reservations. I know he's one of draft Twitter's darlings. I have him at 40, which is still pretty high, I think. I think it's actually kind of neutral, but... Um, not too sold on him. Like I, I've seen people say he's a first rounder, no question. I'm not there yet. I think there's more risk to him than we think. Playing in weak competition, this is like one of the very few times I actually use that. That worries me. That's all. I mean, it's I don't know. Things like that scare me um, to an extent, but I just I'm not ready to commit to him. Um, I've done Jericho Sims and BJ Boston. So next one up is my 43rd ranked player, Draft Twitter's ultimate darling, rightfully so. Vrenz Bayenberg, uh, I think is how you say it. I'm, I'm very bad at pronouncing names, and I'm terribly sorry if I botched that, Vrenz, if you're listening. But he's really, really intelligent. He does pretty much his own work on draft Twitter. He puts out the info who he's working out with every single day. He put out his measurements. He's 6'10 with a 7'1 wingspan. Um, he is really nice. Just a nice player, high upside player who played over in Belgium. He's from Belgium. 6'10, again, kind of point forward. He can handle the ball pretty well and create. He can also defend. I think he has outstanding passing instincts. I think he's one of the smarter players in this draft, being a young pro. He can get in the way of everything because he's just so big and he's a walking mismatch. So someone like him is a very good swing. He'd come over immediately, I think. He could be a good second-round swing to if you want to develop a young player. Uh, next one, Luca Garza. I don't even know how I haven't gotten to him yet. And this will be the last player um, of this break, and then I'm going to jump around. Or actually, you know what? I'm going to do one more after this and then jump around. Um, so Luca Garza was the player of the year in the NCAA. And for whatever reason, people act like he was like just an okay senior. And I don't know. While he does have a lot of concerns, which are entirely – it's just defense. He is – it looks like he's walking in sand the whole time he's playing defense. It's, it's very slow. His feet are ridiculously slow. However, he's really smart. He's a ridiculously hard worker from everything I've heard. He really just loves the game of basketball and wants to get better. I know that's ridiculously cliche, and forgive me for saying that, but he really does love basketball, and, and it's just he's in the gym all the time. And there's something to be said for hard workers overcoming their flaws. I've seen it as a Mavs fan. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki is the greatest Mav ever, and let's be real, he wasn't he, he wasn't much of a defender for most of his career. He was, side note, he actually was a good defender early in his career, but... Um, 
you know, you don't just because you're bad at defense doesn't mean you're going to be a bad player and not stick. He's a post-minded player, also doesn't help, but I think his jump shot will be there. He, my prediction for him is he does stick around for like five years and then goes and dominates Europe. Um, he could be an MVP over in Europe, any league he wants, probably. He's that skilled in the post. The style is more for him, but I do think he's worth drafting. I have him at 45 on my board, and uh, really just because it's a, a basketball board and not really an NBA board. Um, being the 45th player from this draft is pretty likely if you're a European MVP. And honestly, the more I say that, I should probably move him up. So the next one is my 46th ranked player, uh, kind of a reverse, a guy who played in Europe now coming over, uh, who also played in the NCAA is Philip Petrusev. He was at Gonzaga for, uh, I think it was three years before he went over to play for uh, Mega over in Serbia, one of the absolute powerhouses in Europe. He is a really good passer. He showed off his new passing chops in Europe. He kind of showed it at Gonzaga, but didn't get a ton of opportunities. Really good passer. He's got good size. He's around 6'10", and he can handle the ball to an extent. His jump shot has come a long way from Gonzaga. I think it's still going to get better, but it's slow, and he's probably only going to hit open jump shots. Um, Like I said, he can pass, and he has a ridiculously reliable floater. Defense is a swing skill. I don't really honestly know how to project it. I'd say probably less than stellar is my expectation where he's not going to be a great defender but he's going to be a really good offensive player could be a glue guy and i think there's value in that so um that is the last one of this segment when i come back i'm just going to kind of jump around and do some of my absolute favorites people that um players that people have asked me about a lot i'm going to kind of cover them you know hope to do a few more names and then wrap it up and hopefully hopefully this helped you as a little bit of a as an audio draft guide but first, a word from betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and since it's locked on NBA Draft, you know you can bet on the NBA Draft at betonline.ag. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for sporting needs. That includes MLB, NBA Draft, UFC, MMA, Olympics, all of it. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as or get in the draft even if you want to. Uh, head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And use promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Okay, so for the last segment, I'm going to finish out my top 60, and then I'm also going to kind of dive into some guys after 60, maybe 60 to 80 range that I'm pretty high on. So let's start with Nemius Keda. He is from Utah State. He's a big man. Really, really improved his game uh, as a junior. I thought his basketball IQ was somewhat weak as a sophomore, but he showed great strides of improvement all around as a as a junior. He upped his defensive uptick, really improved uh, as an offensive player, just became more consistent every single way. I do think in the NBA, his most likely outcome is just going to be um, kind of a finisher at the rim. It doesn't really do too much on the offensive end outside of just finishing lobs, just being at the rim. I don't know if mid-range will ever be his calling card, but defensively, my worry for him is while he does have lateral quickness and things like that, is that he kind of exploited the no three-second rule, and he really saw, I think, an increase in defensive production because of that. 
He went from 1.7 blocks per game last year and 2.4 as a freshman to 3.3 this year because he was able just to kind of camp the paint at times. So that's a little bit worrisome for me in terms of him translating. I think that's something we need to look out for. But um, with Keita, I think he's he's still worth taking in the late second. Could really be wrong on that, but not really sure. He's my 49th ranked player. So as we're approaching number 50, my number 50 player is Joe Wieskamp. This will actually be the quickest one. He's the best shooter in the class probably. Um, I've been crowning Corey Kispert that he's the best shooter that'll most likely get drafted. Wieskamp's still on the fence. Um, he's probably the closest thing to, to Duncan Robinson, as we'll see. Uh, and no, I'm not just saying that because they're both white, but the way they come off of screens and the way that they're very quick to, to use handoffs into jump shots and take those difficult shots, it's advanced for a college player. College players are not supposed to do that. He's also a pretty decent athlete, but. Um, I think his calling card is just going to be shooting. And if you can utilize him in that Duncan Robinson role, that's pretty good. Next one will be Dayron Sharp. He's my 53rd ranked player. Got him um, as <laughs> I, I honestly am very well on him. People were well on Isaiah Stewart last year because they thought he couldn't defend. Awareness was poor and he can't shoot. I actually think all, every one of those things is Dayron Sharp, unfortunately. I loved him earlier in the year. I loved his ability to hit a floater and pass, but... Unfortunately, when you shoot 50% from the line, it's just very hard to believe in a jump shot when also your defense is iffy and you're raw. So um, I hope I'm wrong because I want to root for him really hard, but it, it's just hard to project him. Uh, next one will be McKinley Wright. He is a six-foot guard that is a monster on defense. Um, can kind of shoot, but it's kind of a liability. I think he only shot like 32% from three this year. Really good defender, though and really good high IQ basketball player offensively, especially where he can take guys down on the block, even if they're like six, two, six, three, he'll post them up and he can also pass. He can run the offense. He does a lot on the offensive end as well as being a defensive player. So he's a role player. You get him in Indiana under Rick Carlisle. You get him in a JJ Barea role to an extent where JJ wouldn't back down to anybody. McKinley's kind of similar. Um, going down the list. Uh, now I'm, I'm at my 60th ranked player. Let's go to, I, I, I want to say I'm getting this right, but Johan Bejerin from uh, from France. I've heard it pronounced a couple other ways. He is staying in the draft. Heard really good things from him. The best way I've uh, or about him, excuse me. Uh, the best way I can describe him is he's a power guard. He gets to his spots. He bullies guys, and the jump shooting is a little bit of a concern. He's young. He's still 18, and the feel for the game is iffy, but. He could be a really high upside offensive player. He's got the NBA body. I mean, he is built. He's probably going to be a decent defender simply because of that, and he's 6'4". So if he can stick, he's a good uh, he's a good gamble in, in the 50s or 40s. Uh, like I said, I've heard good things. He's training in Dallas, so I've, I've had uh, the ability to, to hear a couple rumblings about people who have worked out with him, and, and it's been good. So easy to buy guys like that uh, when that's the case. Next one, 61st-ranked player, Derek Alston Jr., he is from Boise State. He is really skinny. We talked about Sharif Cooper being ridiculously skinny, and that could be a liability. Same thing for Austin, especially when you're 6'8". He's really long, but he is, you know, a shot creator. He's a he's a shooting guard in a power forward's body. It's the best way to describe him. I don't really know how his defense will be, but he, he's got a lot of tools that you can work with, with the length, the size, the passing, um, and he's a good cutter and a pretty good finisher at the rim i i'd love to see what he looks like when he gets uh when he gets his body developed so he needs to reduce some turnovers and inefficiencies and just inconsistencies but again second round gamble why not 
Uh, next one, one of my one of guy who I've seen now for years. I think I've seen him his entire time at TCU is RJ Nemhard. He is a shot creating combo guard, really athletic, super quick, and good defender. But his jump shot's a little bit wonky, uh, a lot of movement. I think if he just stabilized it, both, uh, you know, I think it's mostly in his upper release, he'd get a lot better. Really easy to root for. His dad played in the NBA for a little bit and I think is a coach in Utah, uh, or was a coach in Utah. He is going to be a, a two-way candidate, most likely. Like I said, really athletic, though, and, um, and create, can create his own shot and can honestly run the offense at times. I think he got screwed by being at TCU where just – simply put like i mean the team wasn't greatly built hence why they haven't made a tournament in a little bit but when he played with desmond bain i mean they complimented each other so much and you see him around nba town and i think that'll help him a lot he played with mike uh mike uh miles excuse me this year and they fed off each other and he's a shot creator shooter they go hand in hand so i i really like the upside of rj nemhard and think that he could be a good two-way guy to invest in I'm just going to do a few more here. I'm going to try and just do five more names and do this quick. Dacian Nix played in the G League really quick. This I've said four times now, it's the quickest one. He can't shoot. I don't know what he does on the offensive end besides pass, and he's not a good defender. Next one, um, Carleek Jones. I can't remember if I've done an episode on him, but he is very, very much a defensive disruptor. Transferred from Radford, from the, I think it was in the Big South uh, Conference, to play in Louisville, and he was really efficient. He, uh, or not really that efficient, actually. That was a weakness. But he was really good in just being productive. Uh, He could disrupt plays. He was a really good defender. And he actually had a lot of moments being a good offense player. He needs to reduce turnovers, though. Austin Reeves is someone who I like. Um, You know, I've I've seen a lot of TCU games. I I have become a TCU fan. And I, I guess I have some ties there to an extent by going to so many other games over the years. And last year when I saw it, um, this is the last game I actually went to before the COVID shutdown was Austin Reeves had a 40 point game to bring OU back and win it and spoil TCU's senior day. I've written a lot of articles on it on Mapshraft. He's a really good shot creator. Doesn't really do anything fancy, but he gets it done and he gets the ball in the basket and he can pass a little bit too. So really like him. Um, so a couple other guys, I'm going to do three more. So it's hard for me to always pick three more because I just like so much of this draft, but Jay Huff, he's my 73rd ranked player. He is a stretch five with rim protection potential. Not really sure how his game scales up just because he's not crazy athletic or crazy long. Um, but, you know, shooting and defense always have a place in this league. Then Quentin, uh, not Quentin Grimes. I, I actually, you know, I'll keep it short on him. I'm not high on him. I don't know if everything translates. Was it a fluke as a junior at Houston? Not sure. I have him 75th on my board. I meant to do the 74th ranked player, which is a 3 and D prospect, Aaron Wiggins. No, I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there's any relation to Andrew. Might be cousins at most, but um, I don't think there's any relation. So, so hopefully that doesn't change your perspective on his work ethic or anything like that that, um, that Andrew Wiggins has faced. But Aaron Wiggins is a 3 and D prospect. That's pretty much it. He can pass a little bit too, but if you're looking for a deep gem in 3 and D guys, go with Aaron Wiggins. Another 3 and D prospect is someone who I probably have a hometown bias on. He's from my area. He went to UTSA. His name is Keaton Wallace. He's 6'4", 6'5", as a wing. Really high motor, intelligent, can shoot the ball and pass a lot well, too. Just needs to get more consistent and prove that his game can scale up against tougher competition. I think he deserves a look. Um, he's gotten underlooked, overlooked this whole time just because of you know competition and everything like that, but... 
like I said, I think he's um, I, I think he's worth taking on a two-way contract. He's three and D upside. And then to bring it home, I'm gonna do I'm gonna use the guy as my number 97 player, but I think there's a very good chance that he could end up turning it around. So he is a three-time all uh, defensive player of the year in the big, uh, excuse me, the Southern Conference. He's just the Southern Conference, not the Big South. But he is in the Southern Conference, three-time defensive player of the year as a six-foot guard. He has a six-seven wingspan, six-eight wingspan. His name is Isaiah Miller from North Carolina Greensboro. Um, he is the two-time Southern Player of the Year. He was a four-year player there, and all but his freshman year. I think he won Defensive Player of the Year. So he averaged at least two and a half steals per game in those three years. He also eclipsed 15 points per game every single year. Um, over the three years, he shot 50% one year, 46, 42. So over three years, though, he shot 46% on average. Really good playmaker, just strong. I think someone with his motor sticks in the league. So he's my pick to be the sleeper of the draft. Um, and actually, since I have time for one more, and I know this episode has kind of run a little bit long, I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to do one last one. So sorry for that fake hype by complete accident. But if you're looking just for one more sleeper, diamond in the dust, you know, or diamond in the rough, excuse me. Uh, let's go over to, I'm going to stick, I'm going to actually at one spot up. This is someone who I was pretty down on early in the draft process for years but you know he, he doesn't have any offensive game which is still kind of true he's timid he's really passive on the offensive end i'm gonna go with marcus garrett also from dallas um national player of the year absolute monster on the defensive end he can run the point to an extent his best offensive trait is going to be that he can get his teammates involved not really sure he's a shooter not much of a playmaker or excuse me not much of a finisher but really good playmaker at six five I really like him, so that's my rapid fire. Go check out our ultimate mock draft. I was a part of that. Chad Ford was a part of that. Brian Scalabrini, Ryan McDonough, a bunch of local Locked On and Odyssey experts. Um, so search Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you, and that's Odyssey AU. D-A-C-Y. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this 2021 draft process with me. I really don't know what I'm going to talk about next week, except maybe some reviewing it, um, what happened. But after that, I'm going to dive into 2022. Um, it feels weird to even say that. But seriously, I, I can't thank you guys enough um, for listening to my episodes and putting up with you know my shenanigans and everything and really means a lot. So thank you guys for, for tuning in and being part of 2021 draft, can't wait to cover 2022 draft in full with y'all. Have a good one and enjoy the draft on Thursday.